a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The L Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Paula Joy has been a columnist, fashion editor, and editor-at-large across some of my most favourite magazines, including Vogue, Clio, InStyle, and Shop to Your Drop, which I was on the cover of. And like the boss babe she is, when the digital revolution started, Paula saw an opportunity to take everything she had learned and used it to create her own digital lifestyle platform called The Joy. Once you get back into the real world, it's so weird. Like, because you kind of like, you want to hug. I first met Paula when I was 13, when she judged me on the main stage of the Clio modeling competition. She made me runner up and I've always wanted to know why didn't I win that day? So of course, that had to be my first question as soon as we sat down. Okay. Paula, welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. I'm so excited for you to be here. And you are somebody that I have wanted to interview for so long. Aww. So I'm going to start with a really serious fast five. Okay. They're, they're super fast. Don't think about it too much. The less you think about it, the better the answer. Okay. Okay. Friends or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Snacks, sweet or salty? Salty. What's your guilty pleasure? Mm, housewives, real housewives. Would you rather give up social media or eat the same dinner for the rest of your life? I would rather give up social media. Morning or night person? Morning. Okay, there you go. You learn a lot about a person with those questions. I think so. You do. Okay, so Paula, it's funny when I think about the first time I met you, you actually judged me in a modelling competition when I was 13. Facts. Yes, facts. And it's really (laughs) funny because I remember that moment and thinking to myself, I want to win this so bad. And I remember you being there as the editor of Clio. And I was like, please let me win. Please let me win. You made me runner up, which I dealt with because I got a really cool Vivian's model management bum bag that I've still got. But then later in my life, I met you again. And you said to me, the reason that I didn't let you win was because you had more to just do. There was more in you to do. And I found it really interesting. And I wanted to talk to you about that, first of all, because when you reflect on it, there's a lot there. Well, I've met a lot of people and I've judged a lot of competitions, but I do absolutely remember meeting you and seeing you for the first time. And I am a real believer in like running up is often better than taking the crown. And I am a absolute believer in you never want to peak too early. And I say this to my daughters now, it's with school, you know, with the popular girl at school or the prettiest girl at school, the smartest girl at school, you don't want to peak at school. Yes, I agree. And I try to say to as many young women, just don't, everybody gets their fire. Everybody gets their moment. Everybody gets their time in the spotlight. And the best way for it to happen is naturally And also the later, the better, because you're more equipped and you're more ready to make more of it 
rather than it just happening to you when you're young and you don't quite know what to do with it. But if it happens to you at the right time and all the stars align like it did for you, Thank you. It is a good thing. It's just a fun, it was, it's just been a really funny thing in my career to think of that moment and then meeting you again and again and again at these different points. And I always come back to that and I'm like, she did me a really good favor not making me win because it would have been a whole different life. Well, I have loved watching you soar. Thank you. You know, you really have. And you've always been a hard worker and you've always wanted it and you've always had your eye on the top of, you know, the mountain, but you've put one foot in front of the other, which a lot of people don't do either. It's important to look up, but you've also got to understand that A to B is a lot of steps. This is true. So how did it start for you in the fashion industry? Um, Really in the oddest of ways. So I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a high court judge. Wow. I wanted to be the first female high court judge. Great. And then I realised very quickly that somebody else would indeed beat me there. <laughs> <laughs> that many other sensational women would beat me there, but that one was my lofty 15-year-old self. Uh, but when I got to law school, I just was really underwhelmed. And okay. I just went, oh, dear. I really thought this was what I wanted to do, and it just really isn't. So I said to my parents, guess what? I'm not going to be a lawyer. <laughs> I think I want to work in magazines and I think I'm going to just knock on some doors and see what happens. So with the intention of knocking on every door from Vogue to a new idea to whatever magazine, didn't matter to me, but uh, I got some work experience at Vogue and I was really lucky because their Girl Friday quit. Explain and to me what a Girl Friday is because I don't think this is a term I've ever no. used and when I read up on it, I thought it was quite interesting. It's very retro. I can see it coming back. Same hashtag. Yes. I'm all about, you should bring it back. Girl Friday or Boy Friday. Yes. Uh, in fact, back then you were still called a Boy Friday, even if you were a Girl Friday. Okay. <laughs> it was like Boy <laughs> Friday. It was basically like you did everything. So yep. you would get coffee. In those days, the magazines were sent with like literal paper and pencils and we were sticky taping it all together. So you would do anything, sweep floors, help any editor, do whatever was required uh, for very little money. Uh, and I was so lucky. I was just, I'd impress them enough in a week. Uh, I was there. I was, you know, Girl Friday on the spot <laughs> and eager. And, um, you know, I just, I never really looked back. The sort of the second that I was in that space around the clothes and around the women and around the smell of the of the magazine, I just knew, I just knew that it was what I wanted to do. I, I didn't know where my talent within it lay at that stage. I mean, I was, I was 18. Yeah. But um, I knew it felt, it felt like home. So and how did you find your talent? How did you navigate your way through and find what was your talent, your path. I think starting where I started was really lucky because it it at put me at the very bottom and it put me all around the entire production of the magazine. So I'd be taping shoes or ironing clothes. Then I would be in the production department literally pasting together the magazine. I'd be in the art department helping them put letters together, looking after the editor-in-chief and doing things like Yes. You know, getting laundry or carrying in glasses of wine. You, you really get a taste for it, don't you, at all? Got a at all yeah, got a taste for it. So, and then spending time in the features department. And I worked out pretty early on that it was it was pictures and words for me. 
Were you still I, studying? Did you stop studying altogether? Uh, no, I did start. I went to uh, UTS to do business, which I was doing at night. So I'd work during the day and then I'd do uni at night. Wow. So the hustle was real. The hustle was real. And, it, you know, I didn't get to have the traditional university experience and, you know, my friends would be going out and um, I wouldn't be. And, and um, you know, that was a bit, in, I mean, in, in hindsight, that probably would have been fun, but it got me where where I got at the age I got. So. And where was that? Where did it get you? Uh, well, I mean, there was there was some meandering between Vogue and and Clio, but I guess that was probably my most significant move. I did spend some time in between uh, Vogue and Clio magazine at David Jones. And that was a really, you know, terrific experience in terms of training and stuff like that. But uh, Lisa Wilkinson took a punt on me, uh, green as grass, uh, green as grass I was, um, and she said, you know, I think you have real potential, made me write a hundred things. I had so, wow. I had to just interview and interview and interview and, and, and write and write and write and write for her to see if I would get this job as beauty editor of Clio. And, um, and she was editor? She was editor of Clio at the time. And were you, what were you working at when she? I was at I was working at David Jones in the publicity department. Oh wow! So I was a I was a, a junior stylist there. And you, so you went from Vogue to DJs, pretty much. Yeah, I had a little pit stop at Mode Magazine, which was became Harper's Bazaar. Wow, yeah. on the way, and that was as Deborah Thomas, who became the editor of the Women's Weekly, and yes. was also the editor of Clio. Yes. I was her assistant. She started, she taught me a lot about writing in the early days too. There used to be things in magazines, I think they still call it, advertorials where mm-hmm. you would write, you know, beauty copy and, and that's where I started cutting my teeth. So I had a couple of published advertorials Then I went to the department store and, and uh, worked there and then so I went to Clio from David Jones and it was, um, it was a big leap of faith for Lisa but she said, I just, I see something and I'm just, welcome to the team and that was the dream. Yes, as beauty editor of as Clio. As beauty editor of Clio and I was 23. Wow. And who would you be a supporter through that? Because I think kind of going from I'm going to study law to I'm going to be a lawyer to going, nope, no anymore. I'm now going to go into the bright lights and flashy world of fashion. Who was supporting you through this? Parents. Yep. You know, my mom and dad of really on reflection, exactly what you said. You know, they had a, a, a child that was very determined and there was always a plan and I was a nerd, you know, I was and still am a nerd. Yeah, but that's um, what makes you amazing. I just loved it. It's I the would. blonde nerds you've got to watch out for. The unassuming nerds, we're the good ones. That's exactly right. And I, I, I love study and I love being academic and uh, I, they were very, very understanding. Uh, they always sort of said, you know, school counts. Like you, what you want to be able to do is lie down with yourself. So try your very hardest for those final exams. Give yourself as many options as you can. But beyond that, P's equal degrees. And yeah. it's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. says to you when you're holding your, you know, your when you're a doctor, what did you get in biology one in, you know, <laughs> seven years ago when you started studying? Nobody asked that. So I think it is about options. When it comes to really, really trying hard, as long as you can lie down with yourself and also just be smart about where you put your effort. So I think they saw that and then they just want, you know, they wanted me to be happy. So I think this is a true story and this is a pretty cool story. When I got the job at Vogue, I needed a driver's license and I needed to learn how to type. 
<laughs> and I didn't have either of them. So my dad said, right, well, I think I should know how to type too. And my father was running a huge Australian company at the time. He had a um, assistant that he'd had for years and years. And he said, I just don't like keeping her late to type my memos. This is still typewriters, yeah. by the way. So when it was to type, it was on a typewriter. Yeah, because you had to do a certain amount of you words a minute. You did. Yeah. And so he said, I will go and learn how to type with you. Bless. And my mum said, I could brush up. So my mum and my dad and me what? went to TAFE before I started my job at and Vogue. did the typing at Vogue <laughs> and did the typing exam and everything together. Oh, and uh, and also, you know, I was close to my license, but, you you know, my you dad. You need a cheerleader, don't you? You need a cheerleader and they're incredible parents. You May know? I just let you know that my first job at One Teaspoon, I lied and said I had my license, had never driven a car in my life. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn it. I wanted it that bad. Yeah. It's, and that's what you do. You just say, of course I can drive yeah. as if I'm <laughs> going to be doing that right now. I mean, you know, it's the same with actors. They yes. say, ride horses. Hell yes. <laughs> Tap dance. Of course. So Cleo, beauty editor, uh-huh. tell me how it went. How did it go? Oh, it was the best. Yeah. It was the best. I mean, Lisa was an extraordinary editor. Um, Mia Freeman was the lifestyle editor at the time. And this was the supermodels. So, you know, my job was shooting the covers and shooting the beauty pictures and writing the beauty copy. And, you know, it just taught me everything because the beauty editor gets to write and gets to shoot if they are of that nature. And that really showed me that that's what I wanted to be. And you were also in the business of magazines straight away because the majority of revenue comes from the beauty sector. So you are going out with the editor and you are learning about the business and you are being exposed to clients straight away and out of the gates. So it teaches you how to be, how to be corporate, how to represent the magazine and furthermore, the company teaches you how to present you with the advertising team. It really puts you in the absolute, um, the mill of of the magazine straight away. It's, I mean, it's the most fun and it is the best training. And so you moved through beauty editing and then where did you go? Uh, Then I went, where did I go? I mean, I was a lifestyle and then I was a deputy editor and then I became an editor. Can we just stop on that for a moment? What (laughs) happens when you become, how old were you when you became the editor of? 27, I think. Like that's wild. That's actually wild. It is wild. It was a real, it's such an honour. Like it was a total, I worked really hard. And if you consider that I'd almost been working a decade when I got that yep. in magazines, it makes a little more sense. Yes. But still, it was, it's, it, you know, what an honour to, to every editorship I had was an honour. Incredible. So fast forward just a little bit where you're in magazines mm-hmm. and magazines are the beacon. Mm-hmm. They are, I mean, I'm a magazine girl. I've always bought a magazine. I mean, my goal was to be on the cover of a magazine, like magazines. And you were. I was. Yeah. Yay. Oh, um, absolutely. It was huge. It was huge. But then this shift came through and there was this uprise of blogging was the first dirty word mm-hmm. to magazines. Then it kind of went the influencer. What happened with your world when it started to get shaken up by blogging and influencers? What happened? I'd love to hear it from you at being the top of the game when this change started to come through. I was lucky because I was, when it really started to become a problem, 
and it was a problem. I love that you said, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, editor-in-chief of Clio and Cosmo and Madison and Shop. So it was the breadth of the market. Yeah. And because I was still working in the younger market, I, and I'm a nerd, I was aware <laughs> of, and I have children, yes. daughters, I was just aware of the fact that something was changing. changing. You know, books were not getting covered in magazine pictures anymore. You know, iPads were the new magazine. People were thinking, you know, if I'm going to spend $12.95, I'm going to buy a song. Remember when yep. you bought songs? Yep. So this is yep. pre-streaming. Yep. Yep. But, you know, <laughs> I'm going to buy a song or I'm going to download this thing or whatever. So I could see and I could sense it. In in retrospect, it was probably more of like a tsunami yeah, in the, like, on the horizon. In my, in my mind, I was thinking of like this really nice little like wave, like a but it wasn't. No. It, it hit really big, sort of like the scene in Mission Impossible in when they're in <laughs> you know Dubai and Tom yes. Cruise is on that building yeah. and the sandstorm comes. Yeah, something like that. But um, <laughs> you, the whole Australia, everything was shifting. You know, the the internet mm. changed changed everything, as did e-commerce, Yes, to be really honest. I think the fact that we were not a catalogue country, Australia, uh, traditionally. So no. we adopted e-commerce. Well, it was Peter really? Alexander. Remember, it was the Peter Alexander. The, he was like different for us, you know what I mean, to order out of that catalogue. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Mm-hmm. So T- Totally. You know, like it's t- to then have a shake-up in everything and these businesses have to go online and... I remember when Netta Porter came mm-hmm. and and that was wild and mm-hmm. you didn't really know what it was and why were there so many options and how was this here? So And did you trust it? True. But we were very big early adopters. So suddenly, because we just didn't have the catalogs and it was just like shiny new toys, it was like unicorns everywhere. <laughs> we were like, yes. So that really affected magazines. And the big thing was, and I've always said, with magazines, which I love and afforded me a great life and the most incredible of experiences. But magazines were in ye olde newsagents. Yes. <laughs> and suddenly the world was in the palm of your hand. Yeah. And it made it incredibly difficult. It wouldn't have mattered if, if magazines were giraffes. It was a sort of a very huge thing for just the physical, the physical thing that yeah. was paper and ink to suddenly compete with something that was going at the speed of, you know, light. So, Paula, can you tell me a little bit about your sliding doors moment? I think it would have to be leaving magazines and starting the joy, I think. You know, leaving something that was just so fantastic and wonderful and a great career and being so frightened to go and do something that I knew nothing about uh, has got to have been, I mean, it was. I was walking through one door into another and I thought there was a trapdoor yeah. on the other side. But I was I was looking for a second act. I'm a worker. I wanted to keep working. And I knew that the only way to do it was to roll the dice and take a risk. And, you know, I started the website and I really didn't know what it would be. I, I called it something else in the beginning because I sort of just thought I'd make a magazine online you can't make a magazine online as one person. <laughs> That's a lot of work. That is impossible. <laughs> and I also didn't really understand what a magazine online was. So it's now kind of a hybrid of, you know, things that I, I love. Writing, it's given me a space to write again, but it's really just a personal platform you know, my name is an is is an adjective, and uh, that's what I read. That is what the joy is. It's just 
There's no angst. There's no narkiness. It's just you it's can a buy great something, space. be educated, feel inspired. If I'm not doing that, I'm not doing my job. And so did you say, I, there's this new thing, it sounds so random saying it now, is there's this, did you speak up and say that there's this new thing coming, there's the blogger that's got an opinion, there is the, this thing called an influencer that's happening, like what did you do? Did you start talking about it? I did. Did people like that? Um, I think it was, it wasn't understood. It wasn't understood and I, I don't I don't think that it was, I mean there was resistance because the magazines were really extraordinary business. They made so much money and nobody wants that business to change. When you're on a good thing, you're just like, how can we fix this? Yeah. And I think that because everything, it, there was blogs and then there was influencers and it was street style and everything in the beginning and then social media happened and yes. happened so fast. So I mean, were you still at a magazine when Instagram came alive? That's the year I left. Wow. So it was more sort of, I feel more like I've been doing my own thing truly for six years. And I was at Mags for 20 years. That's wild. Yeah. I had to know so long. So I edited Cleo for six years, Shop to Drop for six years. Because you have and a six Madison thing. Don't for, you have a six? Don't you say something? Uh-huh. This is interesting. So you, magazines are together 20, but this you have something on yeah, the Don't six edit years. for longer than six years at a time. Get out. Why? Uh, it's just been my personal rule. Yeah. I found that within the six-year cycle, I was starting to repeat my own ideas and my own stories. And I also really feel, get out of the chair. Give somebody else a go. You know, you've got to just keep it fresh for, because it's about the reader. Yeah. Really. Like your job as an editor is the reader. I think that's really humble because I think if I ever got into the chair as the editor of something, I'd be you'd have to remove me with the chair. I'd be <laughs> like, I am staying here. I don't know about that because if also you're a creative and I think that you just innately, you get, you just, you run, you run your time. You like to reinvent. And I also saw myself with a Zimmer frame <laughs> and like a Chanel jacket and I was like, run girl, run, <laughs> get out. So you say that, get out. Let's talk about this for a minute because... I mean, influencer blogging was a dirty word. Mm -hmm. And now what I find amazing is that you are the influencer. I mean, I have my own business and I have engaged you to work with that business. And I know how well you did for that business as the influencer. And you've got an amazing community that follows you and listens to what you've got to say. I mean, it's really interesting to think that you were the beauty editor of a magazine and people were listening to you then, but you had the big name over the top of you that was Cleo. Now you are the influencer. The big name is your name. Tell me about that. That's it. It's even crazy when you say that, you know, it's kind of crazy because I've just, I'm a, you know, I'm a journalist and I was really. You're a slashy. I'm a slashy, but I'm really proud to be an influencer. Yeah. Because I've taken it very, I, you know, in the early days, I would say I'm not a blogger because I haven't done enough of it. I don't feel that I get to have that mantle. Would have been proud to have it, but I didn't feel like I could have it. And now I do think that I can genuinely say um, that I'm an, I'm an influencer. How do your peers feel about that? Like the peers that you were part of in magazine world, what's their opinion on you being an influencer? I think that it's probably been mixed, but the ones that matter are, you know, thrilled and, and also said, you know, you read you read it. You read it and you did it at the right time. And and really 
the only people that you want in your life are supportive ones. Yeah. That's taken me a very long time <laughs> and I'm a very old lady. No, you're but not. It's taken, me, it's taken me a long time to, to work that out. But I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it would be mixed. But most, mostly um, everybody's just been, you know, lovely. I think they understand it a lot more now. And I think they also understand that it is a lot harder to start it and become it now. Oh, yeah. I am so grateful that I put up that shingle knowing nothing <laughs> and at least bumbled my way into it because... But it, I don't it, feel like you bumbled your way into it because you say you're a nerd yeah. and, I, and you do everything very well. So I, what skills did you obtain mm. to enter into the influencer world? Right. So I learned to code which I think is wild because I haven't even done that. So that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sitting there with headphones on. Like Facebook would not have me. You never know. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't. Never say never. But it's so true. So true. You could be coding for Facebook. Like, you never know. Tell, how did you I'd do why? I love to do that. <laughs> well, you've heard it here first. Yeah. How, why, why did I, you learn how to code? Because I like to know how, I used to say with the magazines, if, you know, the building's on fire, the magazine's still got to come out. You need, as the editor, it's your job. The buck stops with you. You have to spend time on every desk. You know how to have to, you should know how to send it. You need yep. to know how to send the magazine to print. So I felt the same way about building a website. I thought, I know very little. So let's just try and build one. And this was before the days of Squarespace and, and Wix, et cetera, which are just genius. Squarespace, I didn't even know existed. And then somebody sent it to me. I was like, this? Why did I take the long road to the end? This is amazing. Yeah, and so, I mean, truly is. Yeah. I mean, they are just so fabulous. So this was back in the day when it was, you know, a custom CMS or... Well, yeah, custom CMS basically because to make anything look pretty and that was my biggest problem because I'd come from visual, 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 visual and the computer says no. no. Computer and you says see it no. in your head and it looks so yeah, amazing yeah. and then you can't get it there yeah. or you've got to pay thousands of thousands and thousands of dollars and you're like, uh -huh. what, we've got to create our own custom font? Mm -hmm. No, 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 exactly. So I went through all of that um, but it was really good because it also taught me that that maths is everything. And I've always thought, you know, I'm not mathematical or whatever. But then I think of music and I think of actually how maths, how numbers and characters turn on the internet, in the web, turn it into this incredible picture. And it really made me think creatively very differently and more logically than I ever had. So that was a real shift in my sort of thinking. Um, so I did that. And then I applied my traditional, my traditional training to everything I did, which I think was habit in the beginning more than anything and yeah. just a fallback of I don't know what I'm doing. But more and more and more every day I, I, take, I take the 20 years that I, of learning and experience and apply it to now. And the, thing, the single most important thing is I've been having a conversation with women since I was 18. And that is such a privilege yeah. and I've learned so much from them and I try every single day to keep that relationship intact and keep it honest and keep uh, that conversation as it's always been. Yeah. Uh, and that is probably as, as I became more vulnerable and allowed myself to step outside of 
I, you know, I'm editing, and but I'm me, but I've got this behind me. As I become more vulnerable, that's become really, really important to me too. Yeah. Because they give me back by me being honest and vulnerable to them, sort of strength and and fortitude to know that I'm doing the right thing. Well, that's and why to we're here. Forward. Do you know what I mean? Without yeah. that community. And being that influencer, you're not who you are. Do you know what I mean? Like brands don't want to work with you if you haven't got that community, if you haven't got that return on investment. That's how it it works. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. Absolutely, totally. And I think age has really helped too. You know, it's it's so often a, being older is is maligned and it can be very, very tough yeah. in, in the corporate world still for women if, if they're, you know, my age. But there's not many of me in the space in Australia with my with my background, and I, I think that that's you know been a lucky thing. It's unique. It's, it, the, it really it's, is. There's trust there, which is you know really nice. I've worked hard for it. Yes. So, what is your business now? What are you doing now? Where is the business it, today? Today. So I basically I am a I am a content creator for myself and for third parties. So. A third party might engage me to, they might decide that they're not going to use their overseas material on their social platforms. So just say a mascara is launched and they're not going to use their celebrity, you know, high glam yep. uh, advert on Facebook or YouTube or wherever. They'll give me the mascara. I'll create something in its place and then they'll put their advertising spend behind that. So it's um that would probably be the... The, the simplest definition of what I do. Sometimes, um, increasingly, more and more, I am the person also <laughs> in that material. Um, and yeah, that's that's crazy to me that that has become a business, but it has, but I guess it's what I've always done. But do you ever feel like an imposter? Do you ever feel like you're not meant to be doing it? And how did you get here? And why am I doing it? Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> and I think if you didn't, it would be weird. And also... At times, I'm just like, this is really the wrong time in your life to be getting into some light modeling. <laughs> but why like, not? <laughs> this is really not the time of your life for that. But um, <laughs> if it makes you feel any 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 better, I think it's quite wild that I'm sitting here interviewing you. Just let me put that there. So sometimes <laughs> you have a moment. And I'm like, so she worked for Vogue. And now I'm interviewing her. Yeah, but it's, isn't that cool? Yeah, but that's how I feel about you. And and I mean, you sell stuff. That's why I'm just gonna say you can oh, you can move the dollar. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and it's it's actually really amazing when you get the back to maths. It's really quite amazing when you get your numbers back and then somebody else's numbers that's, you know, maybe a little bit younger or different and uh-huh. you're like, they ain't moving them, you're moving them. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I think that that comes down to, and you would have done this a lot too. In fact, I'm sure you have, where you've been offered something and the money is really amazing, but it's just so far away from your yeah brand and who you are that you just have to say, no. Yes. But it's everything because, you but know, That's why you stand the test of time. I think the no's almost make you better for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it defines you, especially in this space right now when everybody can see what you're doing and your values and who you are. And if you're not essentially 100% that brand, mm-hmm. people, you'll, you won't actually hang around. You yeah. know what I mean? You won't be here for the long haul. No, and I think that the other thing that is often not understood is that it is a business. I mean, there is serious reporting on any campaign that I take. 
you know, it is everything is transparent. Yes. It's screenshots of all your analytics. Yep. You absolutely are given an an, an ROI and, uh, you know, KPIs <laughs> and every single anacronym that you can think of. But there it's a series, you know, it's a spreadsheet. Are you and, working harder now, do you think, than you did for the mags? Um, I would, I don't, I, w- I don't want to say yes, because I did work really hard and I always had the most incredibly hardworking teams. So I never want to say that we didn't work hard. And because every single magazine I worked on was Australian mm. or edited was Australian, we did every word and every picture. We yeah. weren't getting pickups. So we worked our asses off. But I have had lots of different incarnations in this world where I've had somebody working for me full-time, freelancers, sometimes photographers, sometimes not. And now I just really like to do everything myself as much as I can. So shoot shoot the movie, edit the movie, caption the, all of it, upload it, do. And so, you know, that is tiring. It is, it's tiring to combine it with, with everything else, but it's rewarding. And it's coalface. And as, as a creative, you know, I stopped with magazines. I never wanted to be a publisher. I never wanted to go corporate. I am a creative. I yes. know that. So this is deeply creative. And, you know, I feel like I'm a citizen of the current world. I'm not native. Like I'm never <laughs> going to be native like my kids to tech. Yes. But yes. I feel like I'm a citizen and I can walk around in it and and that feels great because I would hate to not know. No, and I feel actually feel like it's quite funny that they say the demographic, like, you know, gen, the, whatever gen's happening right now is is the market that's buying and it's where the money's to be made. But I actually think your generation is the generation that needs to be spoken to and is the generation that once they get it, it's actually incredible. It's a trusted voice. When you said that before, it's really interesting because they don't want a 20-year-old selling them a lipstick. They yeah. actually want a trusted voice to sell them a lipstick. And and I think you're incredible for jumping on it and kind of not being too afraid and going forth. No, thank you. And I think, you know, yes, Gen X, of which I am one, we are the last sort of generation of, of women that were, you know, we are most of us are tertiary ed- educated. Yes. We were really sold the you can have it all, which, by the way, was a total lie. <laughs> but we <laughs> were total lie. But we were very much, you know, most of that generation are either incredibly hardworking, ABs, with money. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and also a real interest in 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 that in that space in that sector. I mean, once you have us, I mean, we won't like anything on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, We're so really true. like hard. We know ass. you're watching this. That's <laughs> We're the watching thing. and you swipe up. Yeah, well, of course, you swipe. We you vote swipe with up. our thumbs. Yes, we do. But yes. you know, once you have us, you have us. Like yes. we're, as as a generation, loyal. Yes. So, what's next for you? What's happening next? I am launching a product this year Amazing. in the wellness space, which I am excited about. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Th- that's incredible yeah, to so, be the brand owner. I know. I'm Creator. Really, I am really excited and I have a little um, apparel collab as well, which Amazing. I'm excited about. So that's the next thing for me is that bravery to go and actually put um, put my name on on uh, a couple of things. Um, I think that's going to be incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm scared, but I'm I'm excited to do it. And it's taken, you know, I've, I've tiptoed around it and 
this is the year. Yeah, go for it, girl. Go for it. Yeah. So if you had to tell somebody that wanted to go for it Mm -hmm. and almost reinvent themselves or take a leap of faith, what would you tell them? Besides just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that life is a real journey and the only way that you can experience it to its fullest is if you try and fail. And that is just the facts. I would never say, go for it. You're going to soar. You're going to be amazing because hopefully that will happen. But more likely is you will try and you will fail. But the most important thing about failure is that you recognize it and you fail fast and then you start again. And nobody gets good all the time and nobody gets bad all the time. True. So I always think that life is like dot drawings and people think that on those dot drawings it's about the lines that make the picture but it's really the dots because they're just the moments so you know go for the dots recognize learn to recognize when you're in a dot not a line Uh, and you'll find just as much uh, happiness and fulfillment I think in the failures as you do in the successes and go for it yeah yeah, <laughs> and go for it. <laughs> and it's some practical skills because I think it's really, I mean, to hear your career, it's it's incredible. Do you know what I mean? It's inspiring. But some practical skills for somebody, I mean, it's like you saying that you learnt the coding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure you get asked it a lot on Instagram in the DMs, like how do you do it? Like what are some practical skills that somebody that's wanting to freelance, create their own business, what are some practical skills that people could do? Uh, I think that there are some really terrific courses yeah. uh, out there um, by really skilled people. I mean, even certainly, you know, Mia Friedman's Lady Startup course. My daughter's just launched a, a brand oh, of her I own. I did see that. Congratulations. I did see that. I was going to message you. I know, which she did all on her own. But she, you know, she's, yeah, but you're an inspiration. She, yeah, but she's like, Mom, I'm doing it first. I'm like, go for it. Uh, but she did the ladies startup course and that's really practical building block stuff. Yep. Um, so I'd say look at e-courses and read, you know, find the the right blog or website, whether it's a Mashable or whether it's a New York Times or whatever it is, some fantastic newsletters out there. Just choose one or two, subscribe to them and read them. Yeah. You've got to learn. This is study. Find out also what is your platform. You don't have to be every single platform. Choose your lane and do it well. Also, start talking. I think the big problem with social media often is is that people get on it and they get frightened. It's like they've walked into a room and they're standing in a party with like a drink in the corner (laughs) and swaying. If you want to be on social media, and this, I actually did this. I definitely was scared in the beginning. You have to interact. Yes. You actually have to be in it. You have to get in the algorithm yes. to be in the algorithm. True. And that involves looking, spending time, commenting, liking, liking speaking, saving. Doing the lives. Doing the everything. Commenting. All yeah. of it. You yeah. have to, and, and and this is, and I am still terrible at it. You are very good at it. What? <laughs> Consistency. Yeah, it's key. If you want people to show up, you have to show up. Yeah. I need to show up more. That goes all the way back to blogging though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was actually what well, was one of the keys to success with that. And I mean, it happened with you with the mags. You had to turn something out every month. Mm-hmm. With the blogging, it was every day. regardless. Yeah. And I do it now with Instagram. It's consistency yeah. is key. Yeah. Because you are asking, you are saying to people, come and share my life. 
you were turning up and looking at me. One thing that I find really interesting that the space that we sit in at the moment is the jobs that you and I are doing now actually didn't exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm. And I find it really amazing that we're in this space that we're actually creating this footprint for future women, future careers. It's, it's even like your daughter, you know what I mean? Probably when she started high school, she didn't think that she could do what she's done now without the investors or the the bricks and mortar stores or things like that. What's your take on this space? And, and I'm working in the job that didn't exist when you were working at Mags. Mm, it's funny. I I can, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it by relating it to, uh, to a, a magazine question. People say to me, you know, what would you do now? I think if I was doing magazines now, I would launch something, run it for 12 months, close it and do another one. Because I think the businesses now do not have the longevity. I don't think they have the 50-year, 60-year trajectory, you know. It's like you will do the town and then you'll do something else and you'll bolt onto your business and there'll be different things. Yes, The whole world has changed because... Google changed our attention span and it changed the way we think. We just do not think in the same way anymore. It taught us to really think in silos and think very specifically, you know, black, mini skirt, puff sleeves, size, whatever. Yeah. You don't actually just search dresses, No, you know. So it's really changed the way that we think. And then, of course, e-com has changed the way that we shop. And TikTok came. TikTok came, exactly. So I think that businesses will change and they will sort of grow and they will be great and then they will either get bought and or they'll dissolve and they'll be reborn. And I think that that is just the cycles of business. All businesses will change, including what you and I are doing now. It's going to look different in five years' time. Oh, yeah, it's going to look different in a year. I mean, that's the scary thing. That scares me. What's the next social thing coming? You know what I mean? Yes, I completely know. I'm upskilling as we speak. Um, When you doubt yourself, what gives you confidence? My partner. My, you know, Saxon and I have been married for 22 years. We won't. (laughs) 22 years. (laughs) 22 years. I was going to say 21, 22 years. 22 years this year. So he is sort of nothing is real without him. I love that. It's true. No, I really, it's funny the people that I have spoken through on this journey of this podcast and the people that have a partner or a cheerleader that has been there from the beginning to where they are now and how important that is to have. Oh, I I just could not function. I, I, you know at the risk of sounding incredibly codependent. <laughs> uh, he's just, you know, he's my champion and he's my support and he picks me up when it's been really hard and definitely the cheerleader, incredible father. And he's also really inspiring. I mean, he just, he's just, he is always changing what he's doing and he's just an idea factory and very entrepreneurial and really a hard worker and has sort of taught me so much about w- working outside of corporate and working for myself. Um, so, yeah, him. I think that's incredible because I also think it's incredible to have a man in your life that's not threatened by being a powerful woman and almost being sometimes when the spotlight is on you. Do you know what I mean? To be able to have them in your life and not feel threatened. I think it's really incredible to have a relationship like that but also be in that space to be able to be celebrated for you. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really true. And and I probably take that for granted 
because he has always just been so, so supportive in that way. But I guess we also met when we were really young and we were just Saxon and Paula. You know, there was no backstory. Yeah. We were just that. Yeah. And we've grown in sort of parallel lines and, and um, you know, done different things at different times. So it's it's one of the lucky things about meeting when you're young. What do your daughters think of what you do? Well, they've gone through the incarnation of, you know, coming into the corner office oh, and yeah. having everybody on the staff just go, you're so cute, have a lolly, have a lipstick, <laughs> uh, to me sort of screaming, get out, the camera's <laughs> on and be quiet. And Mom, why have you cooked an entire Christmas dinner in the middle of September? Yes. You know, I was more going, why, why are you dressed up as a chimney sweep, Mum? Or the little mermaid. That's true. I mean, that's at the top of my mind. That's true. I, look, I think that they're proud of me. I mean, they've seen, they've seen me do, um, you know, lots of crazy things. And uh, I'm their mother, though. And fundamentally, it's just like, I don't really care what you do day to day. Where is dinner and also what do you think about this? I kind of like that. If it's as simple as that, I'm good because sometimes they can judge a bit too much and it, it, it it's a little bit scary. Mm, I'm sure that that does go on. <laughs> I'm sure that does go on and sometimes it does. I mean, they don't want to be on social media and stuff. And I made a real thing. If, if a brand ever sort of wants them on yeah. the channel, that's up to them and they get paid for it. That's great. And I they mean, and they good. and they decide. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and many times the eldest has just been like, nah. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's their choice. I don't it's never been about putting them on there, you know. They're, yeah, they're young their women, it's their choice. Yeah. Um, looking at your career, one defining moment, what would that be? <sighs> Look, I think probably the decision to leave to leave magazines was pretty big because I loved them and it was just the best of times. Uh, and it was really terrifying to leap into something that I had no clue about. But I think I've been defined as much by the jobs I didn't take as the jobs that I did. And I am really glad that I did because I never wanted to look back in anger. And the business was changing and it was not as, you know, it was not all rainbows and unicorns anymore and I look back at that incredible, incredible time with such a smile on my face. And I think if I'd stayed longer at that party and the vacuum cleaners had come <laughs> on underneath my feet, I might have, um, I might have felt bitter or angry or whatever. And now I just get to enjoy them as a consumer, and um, and live and and breathe a whole new. I feel like it's a second act. Yeah, I like which that. I think you know, I want to. I'm a worker. Yeah. I want to keep working. So. I think, you know, I've, I'm incredibly lucky to get a second act. Oh, you've got it. Sister, that second act is, it's there. It's it's so bright. I'm so excited to know what's launching mm -hmm. this year. Know that you've got a supporter in me because you have been undoubtedly one of my biggest cheerleaders through my career. And I just think it's super exciting watching you sing, perform, but also just navigate your way through this next chapter and being really inspired. So thank you, Paula. Thank you, Elle. You've always been so supportive of me and I love seeing generationally women supporting women. So thank you for having me today. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, 
executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager Camille Toulouse for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.